You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind the scenes juice on Charity's upcoming season of The Bachelorette and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. What's up, everybody? Welcome to podcast number 340. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good show for you today. Our boy Dave Neal is back on the podcast. We are going to talk about his new Driving with Dave feature that's on the YouTube channel, and it's also part of his Bachelor podcast that he has a daily podcast now. I don't know if you knew that. It's called The Bachelor Rush Hour. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about... His recent guest, <clears throat> yours truly, uh, also he had Susie on and Katie on. Both of them said some very interesting things, which we break down. We're going to talk about his decision to privately and publicly apologize to Victoria Fuller, something I have been through in the past as well. We're going to have a little Vanderpump Rules talk. This was recorded before last night's part one, but we give our thoughts on the show itself and what's going on with filming and all that stuff. And then we get into the fact that uh, my party is a week away, uh, eight days away, and Dave is coming to the party this year with his wife, Tasha. So we get into all that, and we'll get to all that momentarily. Before that, if you want to check out your daily roundup, it is now in, should be, in your Apple podcast feed. And let's just say, Almost 20 minutes of the 30 minutes is spent talking about part one of the Vanderpump Rules reunion. (laughs) In case you haven't heard, I know I'm repeating myself here, but last week was the first episode I'd ever watched of that show. I have been caught up to date on a lot of the hookups and a lot of storylines that have happened over the years, so I feel like I'm fairly well-versed in these people's lives and watching the reunion show last night. I mean, (laughs) just an absolute train wreck. And I could have watched three more hours of it. (laughs) I couldn't get enough of it. And I don't know much about his past. I do know he was engaged to Raquel up until I believe last season. And I know that in the past, he he definitely had some, I think, some drug or drinking problems in the past. And maybe he was a little problematic at one point. But right now, currently, James Kennedy is fucking hilarious. He stole the show last night. He was so funny. Like, I think the guy is funny. Granted, I only have two episodes of the guy knowledge of him. But I think he's hilarious. And I think the accent adds to it. I just think he's funny. I, like I said, very unfamiliar with his past other than I know he was engaged to Raquel and I know he did have, uh, I think, a drinking problem at some point. Looks like he's over it. Good for him. But he's providing, I think Andy even said at the beginning of the show, now that basically everyone hates Schwartz and Sandoval, James, are you now the lead of this show? And uh, he's he was in prime form last night. Pure comedy, that guy. But I have a lot of thoughts on last night's show. Like I said, it's almost 20 minutes of today's Daily Roundup dedicated to Banner Pump Rules. So if you haven't listened to it already, 
Go check that out at some point today. There's just so much to go over here. And there were some things that I didn't like. There was definitely something, I mean, as much as I enjoyed it, there were some small things that I didn't like. Number one being, can we not talk about the restaurants? Like, come on, nobody wanted to hear about that, right? Did, did we? Okay, great. They're starting. They're opening up a sandwich shop at the end of this month. Oh, Schwartz and Sandy's had uh, some problems with the menu, and people and now people love their food. Come on now, Andy. Is that really what you wanted to talk about in this reunion? I know they saved it till the end, but and I also didn't like the fact that we didn't get Raquel on the stage last night. I'm aware that at this point during filming that day a restraining order had been filed so they couldn't be on the same stage at the same time. So I get that Sheena had to be there, I guess, first. But just looking at Raquel's reaction in the trailer and another reason why they're extending this out another two weeks. So I get it. I get the whole tease part of it. I get the whole television production aspect of it. But... Everyone was kind of waiting. Like, can we 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 want to see Ariana Sandoval and Raquel all on stage at the same time? I know we're gonna seemingly get that next week, but I don't know to to not even have her on stage in the whole first episode. I thought was a little misleading, but still plenty of good stuff to talk about in that. We're also gonna talk. Um, I also talked about in the daily roundup the Survivor finale last night. I really enjoyed it. I had no problem with the winner, and I I think they deserved to win. And I don't know where it ranks in terms of all the seasons, because as you've heard me say when I've had Stephen Fish back on in the past, who will be on in the next couple weeks again to recap this season uh, 44 of Survivor, I just forget a lot of stuff as I watch every week, because I don't study it, I don't have a podcast about it, and I just you know, kind of forget things. And like, if you were to ask me who orchestrated um, uh, Matt going out of the game, I like, I totally forgot. Like before last night, I had been like, Oh, I don't remember. And it just happened, you know, seven weeks ago or something like that. So that's the kind of stuff that I mean. I just, I never remember stuff like that. But if I had a podcast and my whole podcast, instead of focusing on the bachelor, bachelorette and bachelor in paradise, Focused on Survivor, I guarantee you could memorize that off the top of my head. You asked me that, like, oh, who orchestrated Matt's ouster? Oh, it was this person. But when you don't cover it every single day and talk about it every day and it's not your job, you just kind of forget things like that. But I thought all three, I wouldn't have had an issue. Well, I didn't think that uh, Carolyn was going to win, and I'm not really surprised she got zero votes. It just, her resume wasn't strong enough. It really wasn't. But again, something I've always brought up to Stephen Fishbach, and I'm going to bring it up to again in a couple of weeks. Again, another blowout in the finals. Seven to one. Or was it eight to one? Were there nine jury members or eight? I always forget. Whatever the case may be, Jamie got one vote. It's like, okay. <laughs> we just never have close votes anymore. And I don't know what you do. I don't know how you fix this. I really don't. Because Jamie did something that people have been complaining that the person who wins the Final Four challenge hasn't been doing, which is putting their ass on the line and trying to make fire to basically earn themselves away into the Final Three. So Jamie does it, and she gets one vote. So it's like, okay, now what? 
<laughs> it's like I it just seems like everyone's mind is made up. Maybe you know the jury sat there last night and said, "No, none of us have decided." Now, I do think that Jam Jam won that final tribal. I thought his answers were excellent, and he far outdid everybody. So maybe that may maybe they are telling the truth. But I think they probably already had in their mind as long as Jam Jam doesn't fuck this up, we're gonna vote for him. So. That's those are my thoughts. I gave more thoughts uh, in the daily roundup, but that's just a, a brief description of what I thought about Vanderpump Rules last night and the Survivor finale. So, just uh, keep that uh, in mind as we go forward. Go, you know, it should be in your feed. And also, if you're interested in sports, I've got my sports daily podcast. Podca- can't even speak. Podcast that went up uh, about an hour ago. This podcast is brought to you by Coming Out for Love. It's the first U.S. lesbian dating competition show. They have new episodes that come out every Friday. There's been three episodes that have been released. Episode four comes out tomorrow. It's going to be a big one. It's going to be a monumental one. You heard Nicole Kahn on the podcast back in February. You heard host Jessica Clark on the podcast a few weeks ago. Episode four is pretty explosive. So check that out. comes out tomorrow. But you have to pay to watch this series, depending on what bundle you purchase. If you go to comingoutforlove.com, click on bundles in the top right corner. And at checkout, just type in Reality Steve for 15% off of your order. All right, let's get going. Dave Neal, podcast number 340. All right, let's bring him in. Uh, You know him as the Bachelor Recapper on YouTube. He's got his Bachelor Rush Hour podcast now out as well. It is Dave Neal. Dave, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing good. Um, I wanted to first jump in with you on this fascinating new car series that you have. I don't know why you didn't take the podcasters pontificating in a Prius title. You've just gone with driving (laughs) with Dave. Simple to the point. Um, Has has James Corden tried to sue you yet for interviewing people in your car? Have you gotten that cease and desist? (laughs) He can, you know, F him. Um, (laughs) Someone had told me, they were like, hasn't this been done before? I'm like, I'm sorry if Jerry Seinfeld and James Corden have done it, but I think my lowly bachelor community, we can enjoy it as well. Yeah, and I don't think it's trademarked. I mean, anybody can, you know, do it if they want. I mean, it's nothing. Yeah, it, it's just a product of not having a studio space. So, so I just thought, how can I make it convenient for people to do it? And then if they, like, there's no reason for them to say no. I can literally pick them up from their own home. Well, I mean, and the other thing is, like, maybe if you start singing in the car with your guests, maybe then, maybe then Cord will come after you. I don't know. Um, no, it's um, it's a it's a really fun series, and I was honored to be the first guest. Since me, you've had two leads, <laughs> and, and it's like, well, which one sticks out? Uh, you know, you've had me, you've had Susie, you've had Katie, um, you have Jess Ambrose from the Your Mom and Dad podcast, which is going up. Uh, Friday uh, on your Bachelor Happy Hour, uh, not, no, I'm sorry, Bachelor Rush Hour podcast, and then it's going to go on your YouTube on Saturday, right? Yep. With and Jess. then um, I think I might have Thomas coming if he if he can fit into my car. <laughs> we might have a problem. Uh, <laughs> oh, Tom, he, Thomas. Yeah, um, what's his last name? I already forgot. Yeah, I just call him Thomas. I don't even know. <laughs> J- Jake Jacobs? Jacobs. Yeah, Thomas Jacobs. Yeah. Okay. Um. So two questions about that. Number one, who's been your best driving with Dave guest? Number two, why was it me? Go. Well, 
You know, I mean, honestly, I kind of feel bad for you because I was still figuring out a lot of the technology. So, like, we didn't have the best audio. My cameras were overheating the whole convo. <laughs> but I thought the conversation went really well. It's just every episode I've tweaked it and added cameras. Um, you know, you know what's funny? I, I, my buddy was supposed to, I was going to buy a GoPro off of my buddy and he like couldn't find it or whatever. So I went on Craigslist, found a GoPro this past Friday, went to go pick it up from this nice lady. And you know, it's Los Angeles city of 10 million people. And I, I, I went to go snoop her Instagram cause she looked like she was a travel blogger and I was like, all right, let's see what she's got. And then she had Becca Kufrin and Rachel Recchia and a whole bunch of people following her. And I was like, I texted her and I go, are you, do you work on The Bachelor? And it turns out it was one of The Bachelor producers I bought the GoPro off of. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, what a small world. There was no memory card, so I didn't get to see any of the footage, but I thought that would have been a fun time. If, you know, so, you know, they buy these cameras, they stick them to a bunch of horses for their stupid, you know, one-on-one -on -one dates. And then, you know, they sell them to me afterwards. Well, it's um, I've watched all I've watched all three. I've watched myself and Susie and Katie's, and then gonna watch Jess Jess's when it comes out. I guess I guess the thing I'm disappointed in the most is I didn't get to get a Slurpee with you. You guys, you went and Katie got to get a Slurpee, go into Seven Eleven, and I didn't, I didn't get one. That sucks. Well, yeah, no, we'll have to we'll have to do it again for sure. I mean, I really like. I'm excited to try different beverages and like different, you know, things, you know, if I, if I'm in Nashville and there's a cool milkshake, you got to try, I want to do that. I just kind of, you know, there's only so much thing you can do, but Katie, Katie represents that blue collar energy, which is like big gulp. Like she's, she, and, and I told her this, but she's the type of girl you can, you know, get a, uh, yeah, seven 11, a hot dog with, and she's not going to bat an eye, you know? Yeah. Well, the other thing was, I might have not gotten a Slurpee, but at least I got wings with no sauce on them. Dry wings. Yes. Had that. Dry wings. <laughs> um, and like 17 Diet Cokes. Yeah. Which, or like, I had the Diet Coke. But um, <laughs> yeah, the this, this Susie interview, I probably learned the most because here's the thing. Katie's been great, but she's been an open book. So there really wasn't that much to learn about her other than. I think, and she didn't want me to promote this aspect of it because she didn't want any pity. But I think it's fascinating that Katie comes from, a, like she lived in a basement apartment, like a one bedroom with her dad and her sister. You know, we we look at the the quote unquote privilege that all these leads have. And she she really came from a like a lower middle class upbringing. I think that's way more interesting than finding like Maddie Pruitt, who comes from a wealthy family or Hannah Brown, who's like this southern, you know, pageant queen. All those other careers, uh, you know, take so much money. Pilot Pete comes from a wealthy family. And here's Katie Thurston just giving it to you raw from some you know, basement apartment where she was growing up. I, I don't know. I just found that fascinating for her journey. No, it definitely was. And I think that's the whole point of when you interview, whether it's in your car or not, or whether you're just doing it on your, your regular YouTube show and anybody that I have interviewed as a past contestant, my whole thing is everybody's got a story. Some are more interesting than others, but everybody's got a story. And when you're on this show, you don't necessarily get your story told. You might only last two episodes, three episodes, you get no, you know, you get no screen time, but you're interesting. And I mean, I, the amount of people that I've interviewed from the show that were eliminated before, I don't know, let's call it Rose Ceremony three or four that came on my podcast that were really interesting people, but they just never got far enough to where the show decided to dive into their backstory. And so many people have a good story. And that's the whole point of putting these people on your podcast is 
let's learn something about you that we didn't learn from the show. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the show can't really be trusted, like you said, to develop that story yeah. because that's not how it works with their their form of content. And I mean, I think a lot of these podcasts that they go on, like the happy hours and the clickbaits and all those, they just want to give you that surface level tea. Who did you sleep with in this? Who did you kiss? It's like, no, the, the human aspect to the story is so much more interesting. And you, and I have this issue a lot with comedians where we just try to be funny and funny can work when it's organic, but some of the conversations are way richer than that. And you just don't really know where you're going to go till you start going into it. I also think the the alumni that come on my show and your show, I think I think there is a, a, a cathartic feeling about talking about a lot of, you know, your inner child issues or how your mom wronged you or whatever. And so many of these like like I'm watching some of these podcasts. I don't want to throw any under the bus. Some of them are like very short like there was one that was 16 minutes long and it had nine minutes of ads in it and i'm like well you and i are doing daily podcasts so we can get away with you know 20 30 minute episodes but i was like i couldn't believe that they're leaving so much on the table like wh whichever one it was that interviewed claire and her husband it was like a 10 minute conversation i was like what are, what are we learning in this conversation mm. yeah i must have missed that one but i, I think we're going to be having Claire and her husband on Chris Harrison's podcast coming out because that whole meetup this past weekend for the iHeart Festival that they went and saw the country concert and all those people. It was what Zach and Katie, Claire and her husband, Claire and Ryan, um, a bunch of other people um, I know recorded with him. So maybe something new or interesting will come out of that. I, you know, I'm not going to rank your guests outside of putting me first, but I think. Um, <laughs> Susie's great. Uh, I I absolutely love Susie to death. I think that she ha she's handled herself and that breakup with Clayton about as well as any breakups ever been handled in this franchise. I just, I can't even think of one that even compares because I don't. I, most of them just end poorly and they and they just never speak to each other again and they go their separate ways, which is fine. But the fact that they can have a friendship, they can do TikToks and joke about their relationship, like that's healthy. That's good to see. Yeah, Susie's a star. I mean, she really is. And I've always kind of looked at their breakup in like knowing she's going to be thriving within the community. But I've always I've always kind of felt bad for Clayton because he's done he's pretty, pretty much done everything he's supposed to do. And they always tell you if you do this and whatever, you'll have this you'll build this following. You know, he he didn't get out of it what was promised and um which, you know, which would be love and some lucrative you know following he didn't get that and um I, that's why i would really like to see him back on the beach just be one of the guys like you know that's what i love so much about paradise is less of that pressure on um on being the star of the show and just be like a supporting character and then maybe he can find somebody that's you know better fit for him well i i mean there's all signs pointing to him going to the beach. I don't think anybody would be surprised if he ends up uh, in paradise. It it does seem weird. I mean, I know he's in a better place mentally now, but it does seem weird for a guy who struggled mightily with mental health after coming off this show, why he would want to put himself back out there and do the exact same thing with the exact same people. I've always, you know, it's like he can do it. It's his decision. If he wants to, I, I question it. I, I hope, I hope he knows what he's getting into. He should, he was been through it twice before on Michelle's season and then his own season. It's almost like, why, 
you know, why go back and put yourself through this? I don't know. It's but it seems yeah, like he is doing it, it. It's kind of like one of those web redemptions where he can go back and win over the same crowd, but with a much better or much more optimistic um, scenario. So, you know, some, you know, maybe the relationships will work and maybe they won't, but someone's going to be into him. It just didn't, you know, as, as you, you and I both know, sometimes what, what we want out of a relationship doesn't end up being the right, the right match. So, you know, yeah, we'll have to see how it all plays out, but, you know, I think I think that I think uh, Clayton was probably the height of the show taking itself too seriously. Um, and I think I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I think the show has chilled out a little bit. I think the audience has chilled out a little bit, but it was pretty. I mean, <laughs> it's like to look at it in hindsight. I mean, some of these things that we get all bent out of shape about, we kind of look back and go, wow, that was we made a big deal out of that. And I think he was part of that. Yeah. I mean, when you look back on it. Did he make a mistake? Sure. Did he, you know, and, and even the women involved, even Rachel and Gabby in, involved in that moment or when it, when the episode aired, not in the moment, but three months later when they had to talk about the rose ceremony from hell and what Clayton had put them through, none of them cared about the sex part. Like they didn't care that he had sex with both of them. It was the just overflowing of, I don't want to call it love bombing, but him just basically telling two girls the same exact thing. They were way more bothered by that than, you know, they were cool with the, I mean, not cool, but they were fine with like, okay, we get it. We're part of this show. We understand if you get this far on the show, there is a possibility. Same thing we went over with Zach and Katie this past season was Katie took it so cool. And she was just like, yeah, I get it. You just didn't need to tell me that you had sex with Gabby. I didn't need to hear it. I'm very well aware of how the show works. So yeah, I just think, they were cool about it, and it's funny kind of looking back on the Clayton season now how he was literally crucified for it, and while it was a mistake, it just seems like, was it really that bad now looking back on it? You know, I, I he shouldn't have done it, but and, and they were bothered by it, but the, I'm just saying the hate that he got was, it seemed like the punishment didn't fit the crime, you know? Yeah, and... I think Susie actually mentioned this recently on a podcast. I don't remember which one, but you know, the idea that the contestants, they're pretty, they're actually nervous. They're nervous to be caught saying or doing the wrong thing. And I mean, take Thomas, for example, Thomas is about to be a dad. He seems like such a great guy by all accounts. And yet they made him out to be a bad guy. So people were like, I think, you know, the, the times are gone where there is a bunch of naive contestants like they're worried. So the fact that they're worried about getting, and I hate to use the term canceled, but you know, because it comes in such a various amount of uh, like um, severities, but they're afraid to get to, to be become the villain. And then therefore they're not being their authentic selves. So I think if the show and audience starts to take it a little less seriously, it can go back to being fun. And that's the way it always should be is just look it's a silly reality show don't take it so seriously this isn't real this isn't how you really date in the real world where you can't call your guy at the end of the night you can't text him you can't facetime him like it's just this is not reality and if somebody works out as a couple from this franchise they are the exception not the rule it's it's a lot of luck involved. You have to yeah. catch a break. Someone like Zach and, and Katie makes way more sense just because they're from the same 
none of them has to uproot their life for the other one that they barely know. I mean, I would honestly, I'd say it right now. I'd be surprised, not knowing anything about their relationship. I really would be surprised if Zach and Katie don't make it. Yeah, I've got, I mean, who knows? I don't know much enough about her. I'm never good at making those predictions anyway. Whenever anyone's ever, anyone's like, Oh, this couple's not going to work out. I'm like, well, 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 aren't you Nostradamus? I mean, 90% of the time that's what happens. Like, let's, let's just see. But yeah, to further your point about how we, as audience, we try to compare these relationships to real life and that's not what it is. Um, that's, that's kind of in part was part of my apology to Victoria Fuller and Greg Grippo was we talked about that breakup that she had with Johnny Mitchell and the potential overlap as if it's real life when you're engaged to somebody and then there's overlap when in fact, you know, the, the longer I looked at it, it's, it's really like being at a, a singles event and you choose one partner and then on the way out the door, you make eyes with somebody else and you're like, Oh, I regret my decision. You know, it's, it's such a, uh, the, the whole process is just jacked up on steroids that, it's okay if you get it wrong. And even, you know, Katie Thurston broke up with Blake and then started dating John. It's like, what do you expect? The the dust has to settle to see who the right person is. You know, I I talked about, I I guess I was going to go down the, the two interviews that I watched and I, and I suggest anybody go, go check them out. I think uh, the Katie interview really intrigued me because of one, the backstory that I was, like you mentioned, you know, living with her dad and her sister in a one bedroom, did not know that about her. And then the I think the other thing that she did, which was without saying as much, reading between the lines of her saying, my favorite thing was when you asked her about what is your future advice? What's your advice to future leads of the show? And she was just like basically saying anytime you hear the phrase trust the process, that's not really a mantra to live by just because trust the process she flat out said it trust the process means do what the producers tell you to do when yeah when you hear other contestants say that in the past they never have followed that up with hey everyone trust the process really means do what the producers tell you so it's like she was well aware uh in that interview she kind of revealed something there and i thought it was but she didn't like go down the deep rabbit hole detail of exactly what she needed to do by quote unquote trusting this process. But I thought it was very revealing that she said that because I've heard other leads say that in interviews and podcasts. Yeah. You know, you just kind of, kind of trust the process, but they didn't follow it up with what Katie did. And I thought that was an excellent answer by her kind of, kind of calling out production basically. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, I was thinking about high school football when, when I was playing the the team that we knew was going to kick our ass but we had to do our best until they like, you have to do your best knowing you're about to get your ass kicked and maybe you pull out a victory. Probably not, but you're for sure not going to pull out a victory if you don't. So if you don't trust the stupid process, you're for sure not going to come out of it fine. But if you trust the process and it doesn't work out, well, maybe, you know, the audience roots for you anyway. Usually there are very few leads that come out of it unliked. And I think Katie came out of it liked but there was obviously people were there was a debate and and i've always and i think i said this to her on my my interview with her i respect somebody who's not universally loved the people that are universally loved usually are just playing to all sides they're not sharing their true self not everybody but 
you know, the, the pageant queen where everyone's got to approve of you. That's just not real life. So you're better off kind of like walking the people that don't like you, which in the bachelor world across religions and political spectrums, you're just not going to make everyone happy. I've had to learn that as I comment on the show, I'm sure you have as well. And I think once you do learn that you do become happier because you get rid of that people pleasing aspect. And Katie had that kind of moment on her season where she wanted to rip the mic off and be done with the show. Almost every lead literally has the Colton jump over the fence moment where they're like, I'm done F this. And that's when you get to know the person. Yeah. I think Katie doesn't, if you compare her to the past bachelorettes, she doesn't, she didn't fit that mold of what we've typically seen in that role, because here's someone who came out with a dildo on Matt's season. Here's someone who was very open sexually which they just it never really came up in past seasons so she was kind of an outlier and i think people criticized her a little bit more for that when all she was doing was actually being a real person versus and i'm not saying the other ones in the past were fake but like you said it's more along the lines of kind of just appealing to everybody and trying to say everything perfectly so you're you're afraid to not offend anybody. I just don't think Katie gives a shit. Like she speaks her mind and we don't, we never really got that from bachelorettes before her. And I think that's why she took so much shit. Yeah. And I think like, look, someone like Hannah Brown, she's got the big hair, the big teeth. She can walk in, say roll tide. Ha ha. And then all of a sudden she's the bachelorette. Yeah. Someone like Katie, if she didn't, if she played it safe, and, and maybe, you know, because I'm sure she had that moment. I always like to think of this in an overly dramatic way, as if it's like some feature film. She had that moment where she decides, am I going to bring this dildo out on national TV or not? That's the million dollar dildo. Yeah. If she doesn't bring it out, she's kind of forgettable. She's just plays to the the average of everybody else. But she she was like, you know what? I didn't come all this way to just play it safe. And it's probably good advice for anybody. We've all had that at a job interview or in a relationship or, you know, when you're at a bar meeting somebody, if you go for like the risky kind of thing, you know, you might stand out. All right. I wanted to uh, bring up something that you had mentioned about a couple minutes ago, and that was your apology video that you did on your YouTube to Victoria Fuller. And this is something that obviously I've had to do in the past as well. And, you know, there's obviously... I'm glad that you did it. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, it's, you know, all we all we care about is when people fuck up and when people screw up in this world is that they hold themselves accountable and own their mistakes. And um, you did that with Victoria. But for, the, for those that don't know, why don't you just fill everybody in and kind of let them know what you did at the time and why you decided – I don't know, six months later to say, you know what? I should probably apologize to them and, and and put a video up about it. Yeah. So I already apologized to her in private, but I wanted to do it on YouTube because that's where I release my videos. So that's where I'm going to apologize. And oh yeah, I mean, no ego whatsoever. It's just my barometer was slightly off, but very specifically the way I broke the story that sources told me that there was cheating going on. I related it to Adam Schefter. He breaks NFL stories. If he breaks the story that Tom Brady's going to retire the next day, you find out if he's going to retire or not. I broke a story 
that we wouldn't have had proof either way without a smoking gun yeah. that there was cheating. And because that proof wouldn't have come out, I it ended up using people trusting me to and, and Victoria made it very easy for people to not believe her because of all of the issues she's had in the past. So I would have, you know, you, you, you know, like when you broke that, when you shared photos that they were in Italy, that's perfectly fair for you to share. It's public. And it's perfectly fair for me to comment on that where I apologized very specifically is for sharing that. I had sources that told me they, there was cheating and I shouldn't have, I should have probably kept that in the back pocket. Now, I thought for I thought for I sat on it for about a day before I made the story um, and I still got it wrong. But, you know, people that I mean, I'm, so my apology wasn't that I would never cover it. And I again, like I said, I shoot an apology to her and this time to Greg Grippo. And I chatted with him very briefly on Instagram and we're cool. Like, I think he gets the name of the game. You just kind of, you know, that dopamine that kicks in when you've got a story to get to. And people want you to be fair. If Katie Thurston, who I'm friends with, came to my wedding, if she was in the news for something that's not favorable, I would want I would probably have to cover that in one way because that would be the fair thing to do. So I think it was fair that I talked about it, but not fair that I put them in a position that made it more serious, like cheating on your fiance when we know for a, when we know that that the term fiance in the bachelor world doesn't really equate to what we think of it in real life. Yeah. And like you said, I think the toughest thing about what you did was even if it was true, how are you ever going to prove it? Where was the, where was the actual proof? Now, if you were given a video of something or text, text message conversations, then it becomes, cause we're, we're, you know, like you said, we're living in this world now where it's not good enough almost to say you have sources and you're hearing something because if it doesn't come true, then it's like, well, why did you report that? Or if it doesn't become public knowledge or something where you're sitting there going, well, I know it to be true, but I can't prove it. And I think in 2023, you kind of have to prove things nowadays. Um, you know, when I give out yeah. a spoiler to the end of the season, I don't need to show my proof as to why I knew that Zach picked Katie but the finale would be my proof. You know, I don't need exactly. to show anything like that, you know? Um, but with Victoria, like you said, it was just like, yeah, it might be true. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, but even if it is, I have no way of actually proving this. So yeah, I think it would have been totally fair for me in all the other ways I covered it, which was, she was spotted with Greg Grippo at Nick's house party. Like putting all those dates and timelines together is fair because that's all kind of part of the game. But yeah, so, you know, I mean, I probably would have still been going hard into that story. I just wouldn't have included the sources that were telling me, yeah, it looks like it's cheating. You know, this happened, that happened. And we, and, and you know, that, that's all. But um, I mean, yeah, she's, she's had a hell of a sort of, um, a run on bachelor and everyone's evolving and growing and all that. I think as a guy, it's easier for me to empathize with them with men like a Tino or a great Grippo than it is. So when I see what could be a, a, a woman from the franchise doing something, it, yeah, it's like, you see that as if you're almost being cheated on yourself. You know what I mean? It sounds crazy, but 
everyone that felt like Greg Grippo was gaslighting them had a boyfriend that probably gaslit them. So we watch the show and it and it brings up our own emotions. And yeah, it's a delicate line to to comment on a show and be fair when we have our when when everybody has their own bias. Yeah, and I think that you know, in terms of what I've done in the past or whatever, and you know, I, I say this all the time now, but it's like when somebody does screw up and somebody does make a mistake, you as a viewer, if you don't like that person and you want to crucify them, it's like, okay, someone screwed up. They either said something, tweeted something from the past, whatever the case may be, they screwed up. You are, oh boy, I am not a fan of them right now. So my question to that person who does not like the person who made the mistake, what do you want to see from them? Like, what is... Not that you have to love them and do a total 180 on them, but this person that screwed up, what do you want to see from them? And to me, I would think, one, don't do it again, and two, show some remorse and own what you did. And I think that's what you do in this situation. That's what you did in the in the Victoria situation. It's just like, yeah, you screwed up. And if someone wants to come at you like, oh, well, Dave, remember when you, re- mis- you know, misreported about Victoria Fuller? You're like... Yeah, but what do you want me to do about it? I apologize. I put out a video and I took everything down where I did talk about it. Kind of like my whole Jenna situation. It's like, I, you know, it's not like, you know, pity for you, but it's like, what else do you want me to do? I, I can't, I can't pretend I never said it. It's already out there. The best I can do is take everything down related to that story, make the apology and move on and just don't do it again. I mean, that's yeah. And look, no one, no one's going to bat a thousand. You just don't want to be reckless. I don't feel like I was reckless. I mean, I had sources. I just, I, I, I just was, um, I zoned in on the idea that we, you, you you know, that, you know, the show newsroom, you got that one source. and, And by the way, the conversation we're having, not to pat ourselves on the back is probably a, a greater conversation about journalistic integrity than most news media people have in the first place. But, you know, we we're closer to the stories. So yeah, I don't want to get it wrong. I don't want to run into Greg Rippo when I'm in Nashville and think that I did the wrong thing. I, I want to treat every story as if I'm going to run into everybody at the company barbecue because they are humans. And I mean, I personally think Greg's a real stand-up guy from the way he handled Katie's season and dealing with, you know, kind of being the center of the Bachelor Nation hate. I think he's come out of this on top. And, um, you know, I just, yeah, I would have loved to have that one back. But, um, yeah, here we are. Again, I'm I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. It's just one of those things. I had the itch for months to to discuss this with a, with in a, from a different lens. And I finally was like, okay. And, and honestly, I mean, I've, I've been putting it off, but I'm going to be in Nashville next week. I have zero plans to see Greg or Victoria, but I was like, okay, I'm going to be in Nashville. I got to get this stupid story out because I do feel bad in all those things. But I, anyone who's listening can understand the idea of resistance and procrastination. And it took me a few months to be like, okay, let's, and, and by the way, a much better, it's much easier for me to have that conversation than apologizing under duress. Nobody asked me to do that. It was just like, all right. I guess this is, it's a slow Saturday. I've been meaning to do this. I, I I was nervous that I wouldn't get it right, but I just figured, you know what? I'd rather spend 10 minutes apologizing than do a one minute apology where I, you know, I forget something. So, you know, in good Dave Neal fashion, I was redundant and lengthy. (laughs) 
Well, I, yeah, I mean, I think it's one. I also think this particular situation, um, I think one of the keys is this wasn't just a public apology. Like you said, you told me the day we recorded in the car and when we were eating my plain wings, you told me that day that you had already apologized to Victoria through Instagram. You'd already had a conversation. I think that's key as well. Just like my Jenna situation, I had, you know, when Jenna came to me, I had already apologized to her privately. But because everything I did about that story was public, I wasn't just going to leave it at a private apology. I had to let everybody know. Yes, we've talked privately. I've apologized, but I wanted to bring her on. I wanted to give her 90 minutes to talk about everything that went down, how things got screwed up, how I didn't vet the way I should have, and same thing, deleted everything related to that particular podcast and that particular storyline. So, um, But it is good to tell them pr- privately first and then go publicly. Because if you just do publicly, then it's like, okay, you're just looking for attention here, which is what neither of us uh, were trying to do with, with these apologies to Jenna and Victoria. Oh yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah. Like, like anything, it's the medium. I released the story. It's the medium. We'll, we'll talk about it on. And I, I love that we have the platforms that we can do that in, in not, in not face, I don't know, a, other backlash. It's like, all right. I mean, and look, this is again, not, not to say they were asking for it because she certainly wasn't, but the story was going to be huge and was huge without my sort of stamp of approval that cheating happens. And um, yeah, I think, I think, I mean, uh, I'm just going to go back to commentary. And, and, and the, the, the reason why it, w- it was the, the funny part is like, I literally sent her an apology in February when I was about to go on stage uh, with my show with Katie Thurston. And I was like, it's so weird. The things we, kind of latch onto but i was really couldn't get it out of my head i was like oh this is just not what i want to be doing with what i've created here it's supposed to be fun it's supposed to be not too serious so there are going to be times when there are serious conversations that you just have to have but like let's like i wanted to go back to just being a little bit more uh, irreverent and fun well yeah i wanted to just applaud you uh for that i appreciate you you know the fact that you did that um you know like i said i've been there and um it's, um, you know, swallowing your pride and just saying, yeah, screwed up, shouldn't have done this and apologize privately and publicly. I-, I wanted to I wanted to move on and talk about something that you and I have just started talking about recently because seemingly neither of us watched the show. But Vanderpump Rules has kind of taken over <laughs> the social media pop culture world with this scandal. And I had never seen an episode in my life. Uh, before I heard about Scandaval. And then last week's episode was the first episode I've ever watched. I watched the finale because I knew the finale was just going to be the fallout from the cheating scandal of Sandoval and Raquel. I don't feel like I need to go back and watch 10 seasons to you know get caught up on these people because a lot of my readers sent me emails and said, hey, Steve, here's the background of pretty much everything that's gone on for 10 seasons. I don't need to watch it, but going forward now, I'm glued. You know, we're recording this Wednesday afternoon. Uh, reunion part one is tonight. I'm definitely going to be tuned into that. I will be now a a follower of this show uh, starting when season eleven rolls around. And I know that you started covering this a lot on your on your YouTube show. I just wanted to get your sense of when you watched the finale last week. What was your whole take on how things were handled? how 
Sandoval handled himself, how Raquel handled herself, how they handled themselves together. Uh, I'm, I mean, we're going to get more tonight, certainly with the, um, with the reunion show, because there's going to be stuff that we don't even, that hasn't leaked out yet that we're going to see. But what is your take on how everything went down and how it was handled? Well, first of all, I love that the first episode you watched is the craziest episode in reality TV history. Yeah. That's like losing your virginity at a gangbang. You know, you're just <laughs> going to jump right into it. Um, but I'm the same way. Uh, their viewership has doubled, and they're not going to lose an audience in me. I find it fascinating that it has got the friend group dynamic. So there's so many more layers to it than, say, The Bachelor, which is everyone pursuing one person. So you've got you've got deceit between uh, Tom Sandoval and Ariana. Then you have Raquel and Ariana, Tom Schwartz and Tom Sandoval, Tom Schwartz and Ariana. Uh, there's probably 15 different ways you could go about it. My, like my radical empathy here is that Tom Sandoval cheated. He's absolutely guilty of that. He did it with her close friend and all that. Uh, it's interesting to hear him try to defend himself <laughs> Because I feel like the conversation he's trying to have is a next year conversation. Um, it's like when when you take the loss, you pack up your bags and you go home for the offseason. But at the same time, there, people are asking him the questions. What was going on in your head? And he's going, well, we only had sex this amount and this and that. So I respect for entertainment purposes that he's trying to defend his actions. We have to remember I, in, in, you know, we, we make so much content whenever I'll always, whenever there's a hotbed topic, I'll say this person's wrong and let's examine why they got to that point. So it doesn't mean you're making excuses. You're just explaining. So I like to look at it as Tom Sandoval explaining how he got to where he is, but I understand the audience is like, Oh, he's just making excuses. Yeah. He made a gigantic mistake that I'm sure wasn't the first time he seems like he's going to need a, a lot of work to figure out what his problems are. And at the same time, he's just like everybody else in the, in the fact that we're all imperfect and we just got to, to watch his play out on national TV and it is aging like milk because of all of the timestamps and video evidence of him being deceitful. Yeah, and I think the fascinating thing about this is not only did he lose his nine-year girlfriend, it's like he's sinking because America hates you, and then Ariana's star is just on the rise. Obviously, rumors that she's going to be on Dancing with the Stars next season in the fall, which I absolutely 100% believe because they love taking a headliner and putting them on their next season, and she's she fits the mold. She's perfect for that show. So while it's not confirmed, I'd actually be stunned if she wasn't on Dance with the Stars next season. Um, she's she's got a New York Times, you know, article about her, and she's just her kind of like you said, Susie, and is you know got a it's kind of a star on the rise. I, Ariana's right there as well, if not bigger, because I think that she's got all of America just feeling bad for her. She's got the pity. She's got the almost the pity rose right now. And she handled herself about as well as you could for someone who just got cheated on with their best friend 
and you know their guy cheats on her with her best friend that conversation of her sitting there with sandoval and just the things that she was saying to him you know every woman who was at a watch party on their couch was just like you go ariana and just screaming at their television for how well she handled that yeah i said this on the up and adam youtube channel i've been like live streaming the morning after with him and the way that the bachelor um, the way that Vanderpump could improve is having a live watch party react the way the bachelor does. So when, when you see Hannah Brown move the podium, it cuts to an audience full of people being like, woo. <laughs> and that's what we didn't get when we watched Ariana and Tom with their, you know, she's like, you, you couldn't, you know, you're going to regret that. All, you know, that powerful moment she had was great, but it would have been awesome to see all of the watch parties rooting her on. Yeah, she did. Um, she did a uh, she's she's been cashing in i'm all about the um influencer capitalism get your money if some people feel like you're doing it for the wrong reason that's you you loot you know they're not your fans like whatever just get your money she did um she did a drive-through today raising canes which i've actually never been to yeah and so i think it's a fried chicken place yeah I love she it. did that in el segundo i was gonna swing by but it was um, literally that's like the other side of the city and it was only for an hour this morning, but that'll be a commercial. She did Uber Eats. She did a SoFi commercial. <laughs> She's um, I mean, probably the best case scenario for getting cheated on you could ever have. I mean, I can't think of a better get cheat on and then get this scenario. Yeah. Her like Q rating, what they call it in Hollywood is through the roof right now. I mean, everybody is on her side. Like, nobody is, well, you know, Ariana, I think you're overreacting. Like, no, everybody is on her side, which they should be, because Sandoval and Raquel fucked up. You don't do that. Um, everything he was saying to her, it's just like, you know, like you said, he's explaining himself. A lot of people look at it as excuses. He's just saying, you know, well, uh, I felt like we were on the rocks for four or five years. Our sex life wasn't any good. It's just like, okay, then break up with her. You know, eh, go to counseling. That's Those are the two things. Either break up with her or say we need we need help in our relationship. We need to go to counseling. You don't need to go have an affair with her best friend for for eight months. Like there's just there's no explanation for it. The thing that yeah. I the thing that I'm also finding fascinating about this is that that interview that she did with the New York Times uh, the next day after the finale aired, where she basically said, "I will never film with them again." So this brings a really interesting dynamic because I'm fascinated by the whole how the sausage is made on these shows, and I'm just like, if I'm a producer of Vanderpump Rules assuming I'm assuming Sandoval's coming back for season 11. I'm assuming they're somehow going to convince Raquel to come back, but all the friends hate them. So I'm really interested in the dynamic. How are they going to film Sandoval and Raquel? If Raquel can never, you know, go to Sir and hang out with these people or have cocktails as a group, how is Raquel part of this show? But Ariana saying, I will never film with them. I'm sorry. If I'm a producer of this show, my quote unquote, you know, money shot is next season. Ariana having a conversation with Sandoval, Ariana having a conversation with Raquel, because we've never seen it until these, you know, these next three episodes, we're going to see them in the same room. But she even said in interviews, I refused to look at Sandoval and Raquel in these reunion shows. I don't look at them. I look at, I look at Lisa. I look at um, Andy Cohen, but I don't look at them. So, I, obviously, people are going to be dying for season 11, but if season 11 doesn't deliver any sort of confrontation of Ariana and Raquel, are they missing the boat here? <laughs> well, so, yes. So I look at it this way. I believe Ariana when she says she'll never talk to them. 
Um, I just don't think that's true. It's like when Katie Thurston says she'll never go on Bachelor in Paradise. It's like, I believe you believe that, but we'll, we'll, maybe next year. And um, it's kind of like if you've ever seen uh, dogs with temperamental issues, uh, they'll put the dogs in different rooms and then put like a divider up. And then they'll slowly introduce those dogs into an environment where they'll get along. I'm not trying to explain Sandoval and Ariana as if they're dogs, but I think over time, the bitterness will go away and she'll understand the monetization of that. So season 11 might be the dogs in different rooms being spoken to through interpreters, as in mutual friends going back and forth. But I have to think over time, she's going to thrive so much. She's going to be like, I don't even care. Everyone's on my side anyway. I'll go to a birthday party at the at Vanderpump, whatever, and I'll see. Um, and, it'll, you know, you know, so it might not be season 11, but I think we'll see them tease the, the band getting back together. Metaphorically, the band, not his band. And I think it's self-serving for her to not completely cut off that communication in the long term. But I believe her when she says she won't talk to him. Especially since it's only two months old. I mean, this cheating happened at the beginning of March. She's very, it's still very raw. She's still very hurt from it, clearly. This is a guy that's not the guy that, it's not a guy she was hooking up with. It's not a guy that she was kind of, you know, this is a nine-year relationship where she was betrayed and deceived. So I totally understand her saying that now. I just think time heals all wounds. I don't think her, I don't expect her, nor do I think her and Raquel are going to be ever as close as they once were. But to say I will never film with them again, I'm sorry. If I'm a Vanderpump producer, I almost have to make I'll put it in their contract. I'll pay you extra. Like, can you film this scene with her? Like, sh- like you said, yeah. show up at the same party. Give her a, you know, roll your eyes at her. Just something so we can get the audience seeing you react and being in the same room with Raquel for the first time since the reunion show, you know, that's what yeah. I think we're going to get at some point. And you, and yeah. And they'll go, Oh, Ariana, you know, it's the producers and the PAs and the caterers. We all rely on you. You know, you're the star now. Um, if there's some sort of Sophie's choice between Sandoval and Raquel staying, I think Raquel's gone. Um, but yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if this whole next season, they don't, talk but i think yeah it's self-serving she'll get over it and um and um be healthy and thrive you know go far in dancing with the stars and she'll be like you know eventually she'll be like yeah whatever yeah i'll film with them who cares i don't care about that loser anymore you know but she's got to mourn that loss and, and um, she, i think she's doing all the right things there and remember you know she said that this has obviously affected everybody schwartz will hang out obviously and talk with sandoval but it seems like everybody else hates him so who does Sandoval film with next season? There's already rumors that him and Raquel have already broken up. So are they going to have filming together? Raquel's the one, I guess, that we just have to wait. It's a wait-and-see approach with her because, one, she's currently still in a mental health facility. And I guess by that article that I read, the producers are in touch with her team. She hasn't technically signed on for season 11 yet, but I I can't imagine they have a season 11 that Raquel is not a part of. Maybe she's now not an every episode person, but there's no way that she's never going to appear back on the show again. You, you can't have that. Pay her fucking double, triple. Yeah, I mean, and you, you see how real it all is when after she filmed her final scene with Sandoval, they couldn't find her for like a week. She just like 
turned the phone off and went and went away. Yeah. And that's how you're like, okay, this is way bigger than, you know, cause you know, when we didn't get to, before we got to see the finale and how it all played out, there's this idea that like, well, maybe, maybe this is a little scripted, you know? And now it's like, Oh no, this was, and you know, they had to borrow the, the a crew from one of the real housewives show. Cause they, they, uh, Ariana found out on a Wednesday and they were recording by Friday. By Friday if yeah. anyone isn't familiar with how filming works, that's some quick turnaround to, to hire a crew, get the budget approved, get people sent out. Like this was, uh, that finale was thrown together. Yeah. That was, um, the conversation between Ariana and Sandoval in their house was two days after it had happened, but it happened on March 1st. That conversation was filmed on March 3rd. Everything we saw in the finale last week was March 3rd and later, you know, the days following that to get the group together for, you know, everyone to meet up and, and whatnot. But that was, yeah, it happened on the 1st. They got producers together. You know, Ariana told production, this is what happened like either the night of the first or the next day on the second. And within one day they were filming that conversation. So, yeah, I mean, that's why I was so fascinated by the whole, let's see how the sausage is made part of it. I was, I was so into the whole timeline of it because when I first heard about this, I had to go to somebody who watches this show. Cause all I was seeing, it was all over us weekly, all these sites that I read every day. And I'm like, what happened here? And they I was like, isn't this show airing right now? And they're like, yeah, they're in like episode four. They're not even filming right now. I'm like, well, shit. Well, how are they going to cover this? And we got our answer. You know, they just said, we got to get back to work. We have to, you know, put the cameras back on them, film that day. And then they filmed the reunion show. I think at the end of March is what I read today. So, um, then the reunion show and now they're that now they're going, now they're dark right now. They're not filming. I don't know when they pick back up for season 11, but I'm in. I mean, like, you know, when yeah. when the finale was airing last Wednesday night, there were two people on my Instagram stories. One of them happened to be Jill Chin from The Bachelor in Paradise and from, I can't remember who season, Clayton season. We all remember Jill. I remember looking at her Instagram stories last Wednesday night, and she's like, never seen this show, but I'll be tuned into the finale. Someone else I followed. Never seen one episode of this, but I'll tune into the finale. And I'm like, I'm number three, and I'm guessing there were more people like me because – who wouldn't want to see how this all ended up playing out and what Ariana said to him in that first conversation, you know? Yeah. And, and I mean, I did it begrudgingly. Everyone's always telling me, Oh, you should cover 90 day fiance. You should cover youngest Sheldon. I'm always like, no, I don't have time for any of this. And then, and then that story hit a boiling point where I'm like, all right, you got me. Let's get into it. Um, Was that the first episode you'd ever seen? um, I started once Sandoval broke and I started looking into it. Uh, once the Scandal thing broke, I was like, all right, I'll start with season 10. So I went back, but I didn't watch any previous seasons. I was like, I'm not going back nine years. Like, I don't, I'm not trying to kill okay, my Okay, so you've, you've seen all of season, you've watched, you went back and watched all of season 10. Once oh, yeah. Season. Okay, all right. Relatively trivial drama, you know, that they had, that, that, you know, they were kind of fabricating. But still, still good, kind of Jersey Shore style where you see the friendships and you kind of have this, you know, parallel parasocial friendship but i talk about this a lot on my podcast it's all it all comes down to dopamine this like thing that we have inside of us so you can relate sandoval he's got this crazy surge of dopamine because he's got this new younger girl that he has to keep a secret and then when it becomes exposed and it's not a secret anymore 
was there any love there? And that's what they're going to have to reckon with. And it's the same as The Bachelor. You know, once the hair and makeup team goes away, once you're not in Mexico anymore, do I even love this person? Or did I just love this new experience I was a part of? Yeah. And that's why the shows, you know, that's why they create so much drama because of that, like, impulse reward thing we have, this dopamine dump when, when like, we're, you know, exposing ourselves to these new situations. And yeah, I said it the day after I watched it because I gave my thoughts. I was like, hey, first time I've ever seen this show. I'm very well aware of these characters. I don't have every former hookup um, memorized. I know that Sandoval is hooked up with numerous women on that show, and so is Schwartz, and and uh, James was once engaged to Raquel, all that stuff. But when I watched it the very next day, gave my thoughts, and I said, he said everything that you would expect somebody who cheated and had an affair you know, to Ariana and even said it to Raquel and Raquel actually to her credit noticed it and said, how do I know that you won't do this to me down the line? And it's like, that's always been the thing for me when there have been men who have cheated on their wives or girlfriends or fiancés with the new shiny toy. Cause that's what Raquel is to him. He's a new shiny toy because he's laid the groundwork and said, with Ariana, sex life sucks. We've been on the rocks for four or five years. Oh, here comes the new girl that I have a really great friendship with. She's a pageant girl. She's attractive. Let me bang her. Okay. But Ariana was, I mean, uh, not Ariana, Raquel was really observant to notice because most women don't because they automatically think, oh, I'm the new, I'm the new one that he's never going to do that to me when it's just like he just cheated on someone he was with for nine years with you. What makes you think he won't do this to you when you are no longer the shiny new toy? And at least Raquel recognized it and brought it up to him. And of course he denied it with, Oh, I, you know, we've got such a connection here. It's like, okay, well, what's he going to, what's he going to say? He's like, yeah, I probably will do it to you later on in our relationship. You know, he said what he's going to say. I like that Raquel at least acknowledged the fact that he could do it to her, but, um, it looks like these two are done. They're not, they're not long-term. I mean, this was a, this was a fling. This was a, Hey, you know, shiny new toy kind of deal. And they might already be done. I mean, maybe we'll find out more tonight or in the next two reunion shows, but there's already reports that these two aren't even together anymore. Yeah. And you know, it, it just goes to show with a cheater, the issue is always 100% their issue and not the other person. Yeah. And by going to Raquel, he bought him, he, he was, you know, thinking he was buying himself some time because he wanted to live this lifestyle that Ariana had grown out of. And he rightfully probably should have grown out of it. I mean, if he's in a relationship, I just can't, you know, you know, like I'm, I, I, I'm out there. I do stand up comedy at night. I come home, whatever. But like, I can't, who's got the time to be going to the Abbey at 1am and partying. Like I just, from just from like a a hangover perspective, uh, Tom Sandoval and I are about the same age. I have two beers. I'm done the next morning, <laughs> and he, here he is, has time to be, uh, you know, uh, waking up in the middle of the night and going to bang Raquel in his guest room while his uh, longtime girlfriend sleeps. Like who's got who's got that in them? Yeah, and that was the other thing that fascinated me was I don't know when the filming happened. Like. I thought these people had, I mean, he must've been doing it during the off season because I was like, aren't these people being filmed a lot? So every time he cheated with Raquel, it happened to be when he didn't have a mic pack on him or it wasn't during filming. Like how did nobody know this until the phone fell in Ariana's lap at his concert and she saw the FaceTime video between 
Sandoval and Raquel. Like nobody knew this. Well, obviously Schwartz, Schwartz knew, and I think he's known more yeah, than he's let on. But the extent of how much Schwartz knew will be like probably the final T that we're going to get. Now they're telling us there's some groundbreaking stuff that's yeah. coming out that no one knows about. Ariana doesn't know. No one knows, and we'll have to see what that is. Um, but I'm clueless. Yeah. I'm just going to wait and see. I can't. I can't wait. And then I just want to end it with this. You mentioned you having two beers and you were done. Speaking of two beers, next Friday night, uh, the Reality Steve Fan Appreciation Party. You and Tasha will be there. Your first appearance. I want to thank you, uh, you guys, for coming. Even though you haven't technically arrived yet. Uh, I want to thank you for uh, RSVPing and saying you're going to be there this year. Uh, it'll be a good time. Courtney uh, Robertson and her husband will be there as well. Um, good times all around. There will be an open bar, Dave. So I want to see if you can get more than two glasses of wine or two glasses of beer in you and, and be okay. Do you think you can? Well, judge, you know I mean? uh, judging by your uh, Instagram stories, we might be doing some Taylor Swift karaoke. Then. Yeah, of course. There's always that. We got to find after. <laughs> we, yeah, there's got to be a, some sort of karaoke at Mandalay where I can get in there and just start wailing away on on Taylor Swift songs. Um, yeah, that's a do whole I other bring, conversation for another day. <laughs> do I bring you dry chicken wings? How does that work? Yeah, no, I think uh, I think we'll be good. There is going to be a taco bar and a pasta bar as well. So that that'll be the food. <laughs> That's provided. So we got a taco bar and a pasta bar and then beer and wine, open beer and wine bar for the for the three hour party. So, yeah, because you've you've never been to one. This is this is number seven for me. I can't believe this. I started this in 2015 and then we did 2015, 16, 17, 18, 19. And then um, that's five years. And then obviously 2020 was set to have a party and then COVID hit and then 21 I was going to have it. I moved it to August, but then the beginning of August was when Omicron hit. And I was just like, could I have it? Yeah. But do I want to throw a party in a room where everybody has to wear a mask kind of defeats the purpose. So I canceled 2021. And then last year came back with party number six in 2022. So yeah, just a fun time listeners. Um, I, you know, you're going to, there's going to be people that are going to be excited to talk to you and talk to Courtney. So you're going to kind of be helping me out in a way because I, um, I know, I know people are going to want to talk to you and, um, uh, you know, I will, I try and make the rounds and get around to everybody, uh, that shows up because it's a lot of people coming in from out of state. I think only 15 of the 95 people set to come to the party are Vegas locals. So a lot of out of staters this year, most I've ever had. So it should be fun. And I appreciate you, uh, appreciate you coming and, can't wait to get more than two beers in you and see uh see what happens yeah well i mean normally tosh is really late no matter what outfit she chooses she's going to change right before but if i incentivize her to let her know there's a pasta bar we might be the first people there oh no yeah it's um and yeah and if you get there early um i wish i would suggest just you know show up you know 30 minutes before everybody else does or whatever 15 minutes um yeah you could get first dibs at the uh pasta and pasta and taco bar there's um there's what is it it's it's uh it's either fettuccine or penne and then your choice of alfredo or marinara and then toppings so yeah it's make your own make your own pasta and then taco taco bar i think same thing or they maybe they make the tacos for you yeah why haven't you like why haven't you come out with like a steve carbonara brand? <laughs> yeah like that well there was a time back in the day that you know, tacos al carbone was something that everybody used to call me. 
um, because of the famous tacos al carbon dish and my last name. Yeah, my last name has an E at the end of it, but, you know, people don't get too creative. And um, there was there was something in the works way back in the day, but then I was just like, nah, I'm not, <laughs> not going to do it. But I, I hear what you're saying. Um, carbonara, I get that all the time. Um, but I'm as big of a pasta fan as I am. It's like, yeah. Um, well, and the other thing is one of the biggest – one of the most famous Italian restaurants that only has five locations worldwide is the restaurant Carbone, which is in New York. It's in Vegas at the Aria Hotel, Dallas, Miami, and I think Hong Kong. And there's only five of them. And um, you ever been there? You ever eaten at Carbone? No, no. You heard of it? No. Oh, yeah. One. Of, I just It is fabulous, although you have to book your reservations like a month in advance. But yeah, they have one in Vegas at the Aria. It's um, I'm not going on this trip, but I might go on a future trip. Um, but anyway, looking forward to it. Thank uh, Dave. Thanks again uh, for coming on. I will. I know you've got your Nashville trip beginning of next week, right? You're going to Nashville. Yes. Yeah, anyone's in Nashville, I have a show Monday night, and then the following Tuesday, right after your trip, I've got New York Comedy Club in New York City that week. So I'll be doing shows that week of June. And then end of summer, I'm in Seattle and a couple other spots. So um, hopefully I'll be, you know, seeing some of your people out there. Yeah, no, that's great. So next week in Nashville, what's the name of the club in Nashville that you're at? Zanies or it's something? Called Zanies. It's oh. called Zanies. And it was such a last minute trip. I'm only hmm. doing a Monday night show. But if people check my social media, I might uh, pick up a Tuesday or Wednesday show. They kind of, I might jump on a different show too. Okay. Yeah. Um, so next week uh, you're in Nashville, the week after in New York. And then you said Seattle later on, uh, later on this, uh, later on this summer, right? Yeah. And Arizona and maybe Austin. Yeah. There'll be a few different spots. I'm kind of trying to, uh, uh, Connecticut and Boston late summer. So yeah, I'll be posting those dates, but trying to fill the schedule. Okay. Yeah. And that's all that stuff is on, be covered on your Instagram or listen to your podcast, the bachelor rush hour. The Instagram is at D Neals, D N E A L Z. Dave, thanks again for coming on and look forward to uh, catching up again next week. Yeah, I'll be coming with an empty stomach ready to drink and eat. Yeah, just unload on that pasta bar because um, <laughs> I guarantee I'm going to have food left over for sure. So I'm bringing, my, I'm bringing, uh, I'm bringing Tupperware. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I'll talk to you next week. All right, see you. See you. Thank you to Dave for coming on. I really appreciate it. Uh, always a great guest. So much, So good to talk to him about the stuff that he brings up on the fact that what he did with Victoria Fuller um, if you have not seen his Driving with Dave YouTube videos with Susie and Katie, go check those out. Those are really good. Like I said, Katie's was very interesting. Susie was great. And then his latest one that he did with Jess Ambrose from Your Mom and Dad podcast, the audio version is going to be up tomorrow on the Bachelor Rush Hour podcast. Saturday, he's going to post the actual video of it on his YouTube. So check that out as well. Excited for Dave uh, to be coming to the party. And there won't be any chicken wings there, so we won't be able to give me shit for having my wings plain. But anyway, um, thanks again today for coming on. Thank you all for listening. Please rate, subscribe, and review an Apple podcast. The biggest thing for me is for you to subscribe. It's just so much easier than it's because they kind of track subscribers. And you don't have to worry about ever wondering, oh, where's the podcast? Like, if you're a subscriber, it just automatically uploads once it's into the Apple podcast system. So do that. 
and I'd really appreciate it. Reviews are great as well. Positive reviews are even better. So thank you all for listening. Thanks to Dave Neal, and we will talk. We're back tomorrow with yet another Daily Roundup and a Sports Daily. So for Dave Neal, I'm Reality Steve. Thanks again for tuning in, and I will talk to you tomorrow.